we are raising up um, additional drummers. Brittany, Brittany's in Connecticut this weekend, so um, if you didn't notice it, it's, it's when you get used to having all that, it's hard to do that. But we're actually raising up others as well. So just stay tuned as you see what God does. It's been interesting to watch how God has raised up young people and people that have come from outside and moved into the community and how he brings people into places of ministry and serving. And when we look at the actual numbers of people that are engaged in serving, it is a large number. Most everybody here is engaged in some capacity. So that's a sign of a healthy church. So praise the Lord for that. It was the final game of the Little League Championships. This was big time for a 12-year-old. I was playing catcher, and they had a man on first. I remember crouching behind the plate, watching the runner at first out of the corner of my eye as he edged off the bag. There was a lot of crowd noise, lots of voices you could hear, voices yelling at the pitcher, Voices encouraging the pitcher. Voices harassing the batter. Encouraging the batter. Yelling at the base runner. All these voices. But I was listening for one voice. One voice. It was the voice I had learned to recognize all season long. Voice of direction, voice of encouragement, and a voice of warning. It was the voice of my coach. As our pitcher completed his stretch and made his move towards the plate, I heard it. Two simple words. He's going. I saw the runner sprinting for second base, and I jumped up at the exact moment the pitch hit my mitt, and I threw. We hear a lot of voices today. Do you want success? Here's how it's reached. Do you want achievement? Here's your prototype. Do you want meaning in life? This is the method. For men, maybe money, possessions, power, influence, a good job, sharp clothes, the right car. Many voices calling on us to listen. Tell them hi for me, would you? Okay. <laughs> okay. Many voices. For women, it's pamper your hair, firm your thighs, get the right clothes and the right cosmetics, get the education, climb the ladder, have a family if you want. You can have it all. Many voices. Students, try drugs, party hard, live fast. You're only young once. You're indestructible. You're immortal. You'll live forever. Go for it. Many voices that try to get us to listen. All around us, voices that tantalize and tempt, entice. Voices, some for pleasure, some for power, some for success, some for acceptance. But all the voices promise something. How do we respond to all that noise, all the voices? And God speaks to us. It's the voice of God, the word of God. It's no accident that we are looking at Gideon Sunday and graduate recognition today, the word of God. God speaks to us. How do we respond? What do we hear? It all depends on the condition of our heart. Not our ears, but our heart. There are many different voices and many different listeners. And in the middle of all the voices, there are basically four types of hearts, 
four types of reactions and four different results. Today, say what? The parable of the soil or the parable of the sower. I'd like us to turn to Luke, the fourth chapter, the eighth chapter, I'm sorry. Luke 8. Luke 8. Can be starting with verse 4 and read through 15. It's on page 839 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. It'll also be on the projection. Luke 8, verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on a rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than it was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what, it, what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the knowledge of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. He said, This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed, those along the path are the ones who hear it. And then the devil comes and takes the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but they, as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. This has been called the parable of the sower. I believe it's more accurate to call it the parable of the soils. Four distinct soils and four distinct hearts. Jesus is teaching a crowd. There were many listeners, a lot of varied backgrounds. They had a lot of different ideas, different preconceptions, different conditions. They were all at a different place in their life, going through different circumstances. Everyone that he's speaking to is at a different level, different listening level, just like where we are today. Now, this is a parable. A parable is a story with one main meaning. And the meaning is not obvious. It demanded thoughtful thinking and receptive searching hearts. Verse 10 tells us that the truths were revealed only to those who were really serious about discovering truth. And only God could reveal the truth to people. And that separated the curiosity seekers and the earnest seekers. So who is in this story? Who's in this story? First of all, there's the sower which is Jesus. Jesus is the sower. The what? The seed is the word of God. Now, there are three aspects to the word of God. Three aspects to the word of God. There's a living word, which is Jesus, who was the word of God who took on human form. He was the word that became flesh. There's the word preached by Jesus, 
And then there's the word proclaimed by the followers of Jesus. But what about the soil? We, we're the soil. And there are four types of soil, four types of hearts that they represent. It's the same seed, the same sower, but the results of the sowing depends on the condition of the soil. Our hearts, our hearts. Lloyd Ogilvie, an autobiography of God, lists four types of hearts. Four types of hearts. And as we go through this, ask the question, which am I? Which am I? First one is the hard heart, the hard heart. This was the soil along the path. All soil, if you look at soil, all soil is the same in essence, but something happened to make this soil hard. It was hard packed on a path. How many of you go hiking on dirt paths? You might like sidewalks and stuff, but dirt paths. A lot of us walk on dirt paths. Paths are, are hard, they're free of plants, they're easy to walk on. They've been pressed down by the soles of people walking. And you can tell when it's a, it's a path that's been walked on a lot because it's clear of any vegetation. And the dirt on a, on a packed path is impenetrable. There's no productive contact with seed. It resists implantation. In fact, it's a ready meal for birds if you throw seed on there. The results, verse 12 says, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Many who hear the word of God will not believe and they will not be saved because of the condition of their heart. Hard-hearted hearers cannot hear the voice of God. There's lots of seed, but there's no real contact. So how does, how does it happen? How, how does a heart get hard like that? What happens to make these hearts hard? First of all, there are rough times. Just rough times. People experience disappointments and failures. They may have been abused as a child. It might be spousal abuse, maybe treated unfairly. Just the stuff of life. Life is hard. And the stuff of life can produce a hard heart. Cynicism. And it can harden our hearts. Then there's rebellion. This would be willful sin. It sears the conscience. Once this person had a soft heart but took actions themselves that seared their conscience. And because they keep on sinning willfully, their heart becomes hardened. For some, for some, it's routine, letter C, routine. This is the biggest danger for Christians, for believers. Church life or devotional life or lifestyle, our personal walk with Jesus, all become routinized. They become rote, they become habit. We put God in our nice, neat box. We identify with the Americanized Jesus instead of the biblical Jesus. Arnold Toynbee wrote, familiarity is the opiate of the imagination. We can develop familiar patterns of lifestyle. We no longer identify the reasons behind our behavior. We only know that we've always done it this way and we're comfortable in this way. Our lifestyle and priorities become more important than Jesus himself. Our traditions and habits, in, in and of themselves, are good, but they can harden our hearts to the point that we no longer actually hear the voice of God. There's a danger of not putting into practice the great truths and the insights that we're given daily in our devotions or weekly or in sermons or Bible studies. 
Lloyd Ogilvy writes, if we do not express what's impressed, we get depressed. (laughs) How is your Christian life? Has it become dull and bland, or are we no longer inspired by worship or fellowship? Someone said, I hate to hear familiar truths and ideas that I have refused to apply. Well, sometimes our hearing needs restoration. The hard heart, hearing with no contact and no results. The second heart that Jesus talks about is the shallow heart. Number two, the shallow heart. This is bedrock covered by a thin layer of soil. Many of you own land, and you lease it out for farming or farm it yourself, but you know that you can't get much rent from thin soil land because nothing grows very good. Weeds will grow in that soil. Look at sidewalks, asphalt, playgrounds, parking lots, even highways. You see weeds grow. Weeds grow, but nothing's productive. Verse 13 says, these are those that hear the word and receive it with joy, but they have no firm root. They believe for a while, but they fall away in time of testing. These are those who receive the word of God with emotion and excitement, superficial enthusiasm. But they don't allow the seed to penetrate deep into their lives. Now, there might be three aspects that represent this thin layer of soil. Emotions, intellect, and will. The first, letter A, are those that receive the word of God emotionally. Receive it emotionally. These may have had a great emotional encounter, a great encounter with Jesus. It's very real. It's very sincere. But it never moves beyond that first experience. It's like the couple who get married and all they can talk about is their first date or the first time they met. They can talk about first love and an emotional time, but nothing about the deepening, deepening relationship. Four-year-old Susie had just been told the story of Snow White for the very first time in her life. And she could hardly wait to get home from preschool to tell her mom the story. And with wide-eyed excitement, she retold the fairy tale to her mother that afternoon. After relating how Prince Charming had arrived on his beautiful white horse and kissed Snow White back to life, Susie asked, And do you know what happened then? Yes, her mom said. They lived happily ever after. Susie frowned and said, No, they got married. (laughs) Childlike innocence. Speaking in-depth truth without realizing it. Getting married and living happily forever after are not necessarily synonymous. There's more to marriage. There's more to relationship than just that emotional high that we have. And, of course, the television and movies all portray boy meets girl, romance, first love, and there's the wedding. End of story. How many Hallmark movies end with a wedding? Or a kiss? It's either the wedding or the kiss or both. It's... It's like first love never goes beyond first love. It's all emotional, no deepening love. And for some, that's all they have in their relationship with Jesus, an emotional response. Then what happens? Temptation comes, a season of testing, and they fall away. We need to be free to express our emotions in our faith. And I hope we have some, but I I hope that's not all we have because it won't last. 
The second aspect of the shallow heart is to receive the word of God intellectually, intellectually. For these, their faith just penetrates their intellect. They never allow Jesus to deal with their feelings, their emotions, or their will. Their whole faith is a, a set of beliefs, dogmas, or doctrines, and they can articulate exactly why they believe everything. The problem is those beliefs do not penetrate the heart and therefore make no real life-changing difference. This is the danger of the informational model of discipleship. Just give information, just give head pack, just teach facts about the Bible and about everything. We need to know that, but they need to change us as well. In Hebrew thought, intellectual belief is inseparable from actions. If, if I say I believe, it means I take action than what I believe. It moves from the head to the heart. Otherwise, it's like a marriage based purely on intellectual fact and no expression of love or feelings. The wife said to her husband one day, you never tell me you love me anymore. And the husband answered, said, I told you I loved you the first day we got married. If that ever changes, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> Sometimes we treat our relationship with God as this intellectual commitment. The third aspect of the shallow heart, those who receive the word of God in the will. Now, we should receive the word of God in the realm of the will. We can be intellectually sound, emotionally free, but some accept the word of God only in the realm of the will, and they make their faith about rules and regulations. I know the rules. We end up with a life of legalism. We obey the set of rules and regulations, but we have no relationship. There, there must be a balance when it comes to our relationship with God, receiving the word of God, emotion, intellect, and the will, allowing God's word to penetrate and change us. That's a sh shallow heart. Many believe for a while, then they fall away because there's no lasting change or transformation. The third heart Jesus talks about is the crowded, the crowded heart, the crowded heart. Verse 14 says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. The heart is crowded with competitive loyalties, the many voices I spoke about earlier that are clamoring for our attention. We are so busy today. Jobs demand more time. Did you know that Americans are probably the only people in the world who do not consistently take all their vacation? That's true. Children demand more time than ever. Music lessons, swim lessons, gymnastics, soccer, baseball, drama, dance, school, late nights, early mornings. Crowded lives and crowded hearts. Now, there's nothing wrong with being busy, productive, unless they are weeds that crowd out the word of God. Jesus named three weeds. You say, only three? Yeah, well, he just named three. First weed is worry. Worry. I know nobody worries here. Worry is a sign of trying to accomplish our agenda in our own strength. It's all up to me. It's up to me to do it. What do you worry about? What do you worry about? Maybe it'd be easier to list what you don't worry about because you'd have fewer things on the list. 
What things do you worry about? Worry can be all-consuming. Worry can be a full-time job, and it is for a lot of parents. It's a reality. Our children are small. We're afraid they're going to be kidnapped. They're going to be allergic reactions. They're falling to get hurt. You just think of all kinds of things. They get older, worry about friends and activities, success at school, what college they're going to. Then they start driving, and it just, it's crazy. Worrying about accidents. Our spouse, their, their health, their finances, future, security, retirement. Parents, how we deal with politics, the environment, end times. Maybe you worry about world events. <laughs> you're, you're in good company right now. Let me just tell you something. God's got it. Remember, remember, God's got it. Doesn't take away our need for engagement and involvement and staying informed with what's going on in our world. But remember, it's not our worry. We pray God has it. It's amazing how much better life looks when we are not immersing ourselves in the nightly news. I'll say that much. Bad news all the time. There's a verse I found in Psalm 112, and you need to read this every morning. Okay, I'll give you an assignment. Read this every morning. Psalm 112, 7 to 8. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. Okay? I ran across that once when I was in the middle of all kinds of fear. And I try to pull it up every so often because worry will eat you alive. And it impedes what God wants to do. That's a weed. And worry can actually choke out the word of God. The second weed is riches. This can be money, it can be possessions. What, what gives you security? What gives you pleasure? Material things are not bad in and of themselves, but do they crowd out the word of God? Do they keep us from hearing the most important things, things we never seem to learn? As a child, a new toy makes us happy for about hmm, five minutes, five minutes. We, as a child, we'd open 38 Christmas gifts and say, is that all? And look for more. It's human nature. As an adult, getting a new car brings great happiness for a while. Then you get that first door ding and scratch, and first repair, yeah, it, it doesn't bring happiness. We have a friend who purchased a brand new 25-foot cabin cruiser. Cabin cruiser. And some of you can identify with this. In his words, he said to me, the two happiest days of my life were the day I bought the boat and the day I sold the boat. <laughs> he also said, about purchasing a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. He said, I don't know why I bought it. I just wanted to have it. Okay? It's who we are sometimes. Some spend their whole life allowing the pursuit of things, money, or possessions dominate their entire life. And it chokes out the word of God. The third weed is pleasure. So what's wrong with pleasure? Nothing. If they're an expression of our faith and not a substitute. When people talk about pleasure. I always ask this question because pleasures are many different forms. The question is, when I'm experiencing this pleasure, can I clearly communicate with God during that time? 
Is this something I can share in my life with God? What dominates our culture? They're weeds. They're weeds. A farmer friend of mine in Minnesota talked about his process in farming. He said he must spray weed killer at the exact right time when the weeds are very small. So why? So they don't crowd out the crop. Those of you that do farming understand that. Weeds are a reality. How do we control? How do we control those weeds? Worry, riches, and pleasure. All weeds. Those are the crowded heart allow the good seed of the word of God to take root, but they also allow the thorns and weeds. Therefore, loyalty to Jesus is just one of many other powerful loyalties. Crowded, it's crowded heart. So many things in our lives competing. There's no room for spiritual fruit. We do not have to cultivate fertilizer, water, weeds. They, they grow automatically. In fact, weeds grow under the most adverse circumstances. If I don't water my lawn, what grows? Weeds. You don't have to water to get weeds. We do not have to cultivate worries, riches, or pleasure. They just grow. In drought, it, you want to keep plants healthy when water shortage. Pull out the weeds because weeds will compete for water and nutrients. And in our heart, Weeds must be pulled out or they will suck up all the water and nutrients that are meant to make the word of God grow. What is crowding your heart today so that you cannot hear or receive fully the word of God? What are your weeds? Ask God, what, what weeds need to go? Now the fourth heart, this is where we're all going for. This is the listening Listening heart. Verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Ogilvy lists four R's in the listening heart. First, it's receptive. Receptive. It's open, honest. It's a good heart. It will receive the word of God. Allows the word to be implanted not just implanted, but actually penetrate. It's responsive. It, it holds it fast. It's eager. It's hungry. And it's willing. It's reproducing. It, it says it bears fruit, emphasizing the abundance of fruit. And of course, the best way to keep weeds out of a lawn is to grow a rich, thick, and healthy lawn because then there's no room for weeds. And finally, the listening heart is relentless. It's relentless. Bears fruit with perseverance. Perseverance. Note one thing. God's word never returns empty. Some is sown in vain, but much of the seed falls on good soil. And when you look at this parable that Jesus taught his disciples and explained... Jesus, even Jesus, had mixed results. Some of us get really hung up and saying, you know, I've tried and tried to win people to Jesus. I've tried to do this. Well, not everybody followed Jesus, and he was God. So everybody has retained and retains free will. And so when we're looking at the results of seed, realize that we too will have mixed results. We can pray that God would prepare the hearts of those around us. 
that they may be made good. I know somebody's going to ask, what happened to the runner in that little league game trying to steal second base? My throw was high, but as can only happen in little league baseball, the second baseman jumped up, caught the ball, and fell on the runner, put him out. It was a, a classic little league play. So what are you listening to today? How is your hearing? How's your heart? Hard heart, shallow heart, crowded heart, and listening heart. God has something to say to all of us. Are you listening? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us examples that are real. They're not pretend. All of us deal with these kinds of things in our hearts. And I just pray, God, that that you would continue. You would continue to work in our hearts to make them open and ready for the word of God. In Jesus' name.